This video is part of an audiobook series featuring The Creative Curve, How to Develop the Right Idea at the Right Time by Alan Gannett. For more audiobooks, please visit my YouTube channel or my website for downloads. Part 1. Overturning the Mythology of Creativity Chapter 1. The Making of a Dream It was November 1963. Paul McCartney woke up obsessed with a melody he had heard while dreaming. The 21-year-old pop star stumbled over to the small piano nestled in his room on the top floor of 57 Wimpole Street in central London. What was that melody? He sat at the piano, trying to recreate the notes he had heard in his sleep. It felt so familiar. He finally put it together. G, F-sharp minor 7th, B, E minor, and E. He played it again and again. He loved the way it sounded, but was certain the melody must come from some half-forgotten song he had heard before. Like many musicians, he fretted that he might be borrowing the melody of another song. Too familiar, he thought. Where have I heard this before? The melody McCartney heard in his dream would ultimately become Yesterday, the most recorded song in, in music history with 3,000 different versions. It has been played more than 7 million times on American television and radio and is the fourth highest grossing song of all time. McCartney himself once said of his famous song, quote, it is possibly the smash of this century, end quote. Indeed, yesterday may well have been one of the 20th century's biggest hits, and apparently it was the result of a dream. He told an interviewer for the Beatles anthology that the experience had a profound impact on how he reviewed or how he viewed creativity, saying, quote, It's amazing that it just came to me in a dream. That's why I don't profess to know anything. I think music is all very mystical, end quote. For creativity researchers, Paul McCartney's sudden melodic epiphany is a classic example of creativity coming to an artist unplanned in a flash of genius, a moment of inspiration, in which an idea suddenly rises to one's conscious awareness. It is the unexpected nature of these bursts of inspiration, with no apparent origin, that gives them a supernatural quality. Anyone who has had a great idea in the shower, or on a run, or walk, has experienced some version of these moments. Whether it is J.K. Rowling being struck with the idea for Harry Potter on a train to London, or Mozart being able to compose songs without effort, these accounts have become modern-day staples of what I call the inspiration theory of creativity. This is the idea that creative success results from a mysterious internal process punctuated by unpredictable flashes of genius. And our culture has embraced the idea that a self-reliant person, born with the right innate talents, can produce hits out of sheer inspiration. What's more, this view is not confined to the traditional arts, like music and literature. Steve Jobs, the prototypical genius of the digital age, explained in an often repeated quote that creativity is an organic process. Quote, when you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. End quote. The inspiration theory of creativity dominates how most people think about creative greatness today. But why do these sudden moments of inspiration occur? Is sheer IQ genius the only explanation? If we studied the settings of these creative moments, would they verify or disprove the inspiration theory? Name that tune. 
The morning the melody for yesterday came to McCartney was a typical lazy day. As was his routine, he woke up around noon. He and his girlfriend Jane would often stay out late at London's restaurants and clubs. McCartney worried about why the melody he woke up with was so clear, so concise. It seemed too finished, too complete. He assumed he had accidentally plagiarized it. Was it from one of the classics he had heard his father play so often, like Stairway to Paradise, Chicago, or Lullaby of the Leaves? The Beatles were thoughtful about creating their hits. Lennon once described to an interviewer how intentional the band had been when writing their first number one single, Please Please Me, saying, quote, We tried to make it as simple as possible. We aimed this one straight at the hit parade. It was my attempt at writing a Roy Orbison song. End quote. For McCartney, yesterday was an explicit exception to his typical methodical songwriting process. The tune of yesterday was like a jazz melody, McCartney later said. Quote, My dad used to know a lot of old jazz tunes. I thought maybe I just remembered it from the past. End quote. He went to his friends and asked if they'd recognize the song. First, he asked his songwriting partner, John Lennon. Lennon told him he had never heard it before. Still skeptical, McCartney told his friend Lionel Bart, who had composed numerous hit songs. When McCartney hummed the melody, Bart drew a blank. It seemed as if the song might be an original. Still not convinced, McCartney pressed on. He tried to think of someone older and more experienced, someone who might be able to clear his conscience. A few days later, McCartney visited Alma Cogan, a British singer known for the song Dreamboat and 16 other hits. If anyone could recognize a song, she could. He sat down at the piano and played the melody for Kogan and her sister. It's lovely, Kogan said when he was done. But had she heard it before, McCartney asked. Was it someone else's song? Kogan said no. It's original. Nice song. Finally, McCartney was persuaded. He had seemingly dreamed up a masterful melody following the mystical nature of the inspiration theory of creativity. We can interpret the inspiration theory in one of two ways. The positive view is that a flash of genius can strike anyone. Yesterday came to McCartney in a dream, outside of his control. It's possible that all of us can dream up a chart-topping melody. On the other hand, most of us believe that if we lack the raw talent or innate genius, these moments will never strike. The inspiration theory of creativity is only relevant for those born with so-called genius. As a result, many of us are tempted to put aside any ambition to become the next great musician, novelist, or entrepreneur, settling instead to be a consumer or a patron of the arts. Meanwhile, the optimistic ones are just waiting, hoping for a sudden flash of inspiration to visit them. The inspiration theory is supported by countless anecdotes from the creative artists of our time. Authors talk of waiting for creative inspiration. Entrepreneurs talk of waiting for a great idea to strike. Musicians talk of falling into a creative groove. There are countless books and blog posts on creativity, offering suggestions on how we can push through writer's block or discover our flow. Biopics of great artists amplify the inevitability of their creativity, as well as suggesting that it is within the domain of mad geniuses. Meanwhile, the rest of us are left on the sidelines. But what if this entire theory is wrong? What if you don't have to wait for lightning to strike? The Road to Yesterday While the sudden creation story of yesterday is relatively well known, what is less known is how McCartney went from the original melody to crafting the full song. 
The notion that this song came to McCartney in an instant is wrong. All that had come to him in the dream was a simple chord progression. When McCartney awoke with a melody in his head, it was a long way from a completed song. For one thing, the tune had no words. He knew he needed to come up with placeholder lyrics while he continued working on the song structure. While he was playing the melody for to Alma Kogan, her mother walked into the room asking, Anyone like some scrambled eggs? This gave McCartney the temporary lyric he needed, scrambled eggs. So the initial lyrics he came up with were, Scrambled eggs. Oh my baby, how I love your legs. Diddle diddle, I believe in scrambled eggs. From there, it took almost 20 months of grueling work to complete the song, and McCartney became obsessed. While he worked on it, the people around McCartney became sick of hearing about his ever-changing song in progress. As George Harrison told an interviewer about that period, quote, he's always talking about that song. You'd think he was Beethoven or somebody, end quote. Even when the Beatles started filming their second movie, Help, McCartney didn't waver. He worked on the song during breaks. At one point, the film's producer, Dick Lester, was so fed up that he said, quote, if you play that bloody song any longer, I'll have the piano taken off stage. Either finish it or give it up, end quote. Later, on their first tour through France, Paul had a piano placed in their hotel room so that he could continue working on Yesterday, and it paid off. When producer George Martin first heard the song, he was mesmerized. It was different. In fact, it was so original that he was worried it wouldn't fit into a Beatles album. McCartney realized that the song needed melancholy lyrics. For example, scrambled eggs were not a valid topic for a brooding song. Quote, I remember thinking about uh, thinking that people like sad tunes. They like to wallow a bit when they're alone, to put on a record and go, ah, end quote. He finally finished the song, sketching out the final lyrics on a trip to Portugal in May of 1965. A month later, he went to the studio with George Martin to record Yesterday. According to Martin, McCartney came into Studio 2 at EMI and played yesterday on an acoustic guitar. The only change Martin could think of was adding orchestral strings. Paul, however, thought that that was too much. In response, Martin suggested a quartet, and with that melodic but dark addition, Yesterday was born. The iconic song that is remembered as the result of a flash of genius was, in fact, a nearly two-year odyssey one that at times wore McCartney and his friends down. While the mythology behind the Beatles celebrates the story of yesterday as one of sudden creative genius, as we've seen, it was hardly a linear path from dream to recording. Yesterday was not a pure product of light bulb moment. It was hard, grueling work. But couldn't you argue that it began with an initial moment of divine inspiration? How else do we account for that? There is a cottage industry of researchers who are fascinated by the origin story of yesterday. Academics interested in creativity, music historians, and avid Beatles fans. All have worked to answer the question of where the melody really came from. The most enlightening theory of the origin of yesterday comes from Beatles expert Ian Hammond, who points out that the song is, quote, a direct revolution or evolution of the melody from the Ray Charles version of Georgia On My Mind. Not only does Yesterday share a chord progression with the earlier song, but it also mirrors the bass lines of Georgia On My Mind, end quote. True enough, the Beatles and Paul McCartney were big admirers of Ray Charles. They kicked off their career playing his covers in the bars and clubs of Hamburg, Germany. John Lennon said 
that when they started playing their own songs, it was quite a traumatic thing because we were doing such great numbers of other people's, of Ray Charles and Little Richard and all of them. For Paul McCartney, what looked like divine inspiration was in fact likely the result of subconscious processing of music which he loved. Like most music, it was an evolution of the chord progressions that already existed. In fact, as Hammond points out, Ray Charles's version of Georgia On My Mind was an evolution of Hoagy Carmichael's original version of the song. This type of ingestion, reinvention, and influence is common in stories of creative success. When McCartney reflects on how he wrote yesterday, he tends to focus on his sudden inspiration for the tune. But, in at least one interview, he acknowledged that there was something more mechanical at work. Quote, If you are very spiritual, then God sent me a melody. I'm a mere vehicle. If you want to be a bit more cynical, then I was uploading my computer for millions of years, listening to all the stuff I listened to through my dad and through my musical tastes, including people like Fred Astaire, Gershwin, and finally my computer printed out one morning what it thought was a good tune. The things we view as unexplainable genius often have a genesis of some sort. The inspiration theory of creativity has been around for thousands of years since the era of ancient Greece. While the theory is still breathlessly recounted in the press, modern research that I'll discuss demonstrates that creative potential is within all of us. However, if our perception of McCartney and other creative artists is flawed, if they are more accurately described as tireless and intensely focused, that still does not explain how they achieved commercial success. Plenty of artists toil away for years at their craft without recognition or acclaim. An endless procession of novelists has labored tirelessly for years, writing novels that never sell a copy. Many painters, sculptors, choreographers, and musicians work for years without ever tasting critical or commercial success. Clearly, popular success is not just a matter of sweat equity. Could it be possible to identify the true causes of creative success? Thank you for watching. Please like, subscribe, and visit my channel for more exciting content.